Hello, welcome back to the UK Pick 6 podcast, where once again we are talking all things NFL. As we do, I suppose, every week on the show. I really shouldn't start with that, talking about all things NFL. We're an NFL podcast. Of course we're going to talk all things NFL. Uh, the difference too this week is that we had no Dave Bluck, myself, Ollie Wilson, and Jazz Gillum, uh, talking to our special guest this week, Whitney Holtzman, author of the book You Are the First You, available on Amazon and other good uh, book outlets, I guess. We don't really have bookshops that much anymore. I don't know if it's in Waterstones yet in the UK either. I'll have to investigate that. But it's definitely available online on Amazon. Audiobooks coming out soon as well as we discussed on the show. Jazz was very keen about that. Uh, we also discussed Whitney's role as CEO of Social Victories, social media and marketing consultancy company and her work as a chief marketing officer for NFL, MLB and NHL players. How COVID's affected that. We talked all things Tampa as a city, as a sports city, a bit of Tom Brady, a bit of Jameis Winston. We talked a little bit about uh, the heat in the UK, which was a bit, we got sidetracked on the heat in the UK actually quite a lot. Whitney was fascinated by our lack of air conditioning as Jazz and I were just suffering and sweltering in the evening heat when we recorded this um yeah it's a really fun interesting podcast there's a lot of variety into it whitney's a wonderful woman um can always see the best in everything and she needs to be able to do that when dealing with myself and jazz uh so yeah she was awesome sit back and enjoy the podcast over the middle picked off season fired Blitz coming. Pass is picked off. He's going to go looking again. And it's picked off by Stephon Gilmore. Down on the right sideline. Into the end zone and he's picked off. Back the other way. I'm a bit worried that sounds like that you're very much looking, looking out of your flat towards Tom Brady's living uh Living quarters, kind of. Well, he might come out on the balcony one day, and if I wave strongly enough, then you know, then we got me. rapport. <laughs> Look, I lived here first. He moved into my backyard. That's true. <laughs> That's, That's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's about I time. Trying... Yeah, I mean, he had a good thing going in New England. He didn't have to come and find me in Tampa, but he did. So he wanted the sunshine. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> And everyone tends like, to retire to Florida, don't they? So it kind of fits with end of his career, go somewhere sunny, enjoy yeah, a bit of sunshine. Exactly. But Tampa is kind of has a small town feel. It, it feels like one big family, but it has the amenities of a big city, but everything is 10 or 15 minutes away. So you run into athletes wherever you go and the stadium is easy to get to. We're Bucks season ticket holders. And it's oh, nice. it was beyond a dream that Tom Brady ended up here because a dream is something you think about and you, you hope might happen. I didn't even think it was on the realm of possibilities so when he ended up here was beyond a dream come true i mean the most excitement i've ever had as a tampa sports fan aside from winning the super bowl i was gonna say that must have been yeah on par with that 
Yeah, but to, to think that I may never get to see him play in person is just complete torture. And then to get the Super Bowl, and I don't know what's going to happen with that. I, it's just, I, I all I can say is that I hope things get better in the next few months so that I get to witness all these things, because otherwise that would be the most tragic story. <laughs> yeah, that's, the real, that's the real victim story of COVID, isn't it? Yeah. Exactly. I don't yeah. know why they're not playing this one on the news. I, um, exactly. I have to say, though, you must have a bit of a mixed camp with the Tom Brady thing, right? Because obviously, as a Bucks fan, as a tamper i mean from what i've gathered especially in the like the last few months they did a big thing about in the local media about how you were basically miss tampa you know you are the most enthusiastic person about all of the sports teams and about the city in general but you as uh, ceo of social victories uh, and cmo for brandon copeland obviously now have links up in new england and there must be an element of frustration that Brandon's there. And um, as we asked him on the pod a few weeks ago, Brady's now gone. Are you not a bit like, well, I want to see Brandon go and get a ring? Or are you more, well, I want to see Tampa Bay go and get a ring with Brady? I mean, you've got conflicting loves in this. Yeah. So obviously I cheer for my clients and I want them to succeed individually and have great performances. But first and foremost, I am a sports fan because of the Tampa teams. And I'm not confused about my loyalty. And I like that. There, at any moment, Branded could come play in Tampa. So they change teams. So you can't pick a team based on where they are because then your loyalties are all over the place. And I have not forgotten my first loves. Excellent. And I love the uh, the cardboard cutout of you at the, uh, the Rays game yeah, as well. That. that is strong work. Yeah, I don't. It's something. So just this week, um, I've been virtually at an NBA game in the stands. Like I was on a Zoom chat, and they imported my face to uh, the the Mavericks Rockets game, which was hysterical. So I was, and then I was a cardboard cutout at the Rays game. So I'm still attending sporting events. It's just in very different forms these days. Any way I can be there virtually, I've found a way. That's so, so with the strong. NBA one, sorry to interrupt early, did you actually get to see the video feed as if you were at that seat or was it? Uh, sort of. So okay. um, <clears throat> I used to work at a nonprofit called Rise, uh, started by the owner of the Miami Dolphins. And our mission <clears throat> was to unite communities. And it was all about racial equality. And yeah. they have the commissioner of every sports league on their board. So uh, a co-worker from Rise reached out and said, I have two extra tickets. Um, do you want to be part of the television broadcast? Those were all the instructions I got. So I thought, okay, they were going to show the Zoom screen of fans, like kind of cut to them at a break and say, these are all the people watching from home. So, you know, I was just on the Zoom chat, cheering along, doing my thing. And then I thought it would be fun to turn on the game and see what this whole setup, like see if they show us on the broadcast. I didn't realize the whole time they were taking my face and I was in the stands during it. And had I not turned on the game, I wouldn't have realized. So it was like looking at a regular Zoom chat and it wasn't until I turned on ESPN, I went, that's my face. I see, okay. Yeah. I got you. So for me, it looked like a Zoom chat, but for them, it looked like I was a head sitting on a chair virtually in the background. That's cool. That's very, very cool. Futurama, isn't it? That yeah, and it's good because now I can be in a lot of places. Like I could be home in pajamas, but also at an NBA game, but also a cardboard version of me at a baseball game. So I like that I've been scaled during coronavirus. But you would have to be careful of the pajamas attire and stuff because obviously, if you're on the virtual Zoom call, you don't want it to pop up that you're in your comfies and your PJs in the stands at that point. I mean, yeah, yeah we you all. We'll yeah, have, have like couchy, lazy wear and stuff like that. You don't want to get caught on national television in your kind of PJs. 
That's that's exactly right. And I think they're probably I, I've heard maybe there's been a few slip ups already of people getting the wrong body parts or not having <laughs> yeah. full outfits. So I think it's it's all going to be a work in progress. But it's uh, until you can go to a game safely, I think the NBA has gotten very creative. And, you know, I mean, secondarily, I'll take a cardboard version of myself on uh, at the baseball games. I thought it was funny that someone saw me on the broadcast. I just they put me in the outfield. So I'm like, oh, well, this is a waste. <laughs> Yeah, you need to be behind home plate. Do you know how they how they allocate that? Do they have like the kind of uh, big name celebrity faces that you sometimes see behind home plate anyway? And uh, those baseball's cheap. It's like sixteen dollars a ticket, and then you don't go to those seats in the front row, and it's like, oh, that's about a thousand dollars suddenly. Oh, okay, that's fair. But you get some nice amenities. But do the celebrities still cover those seats, even their their cardboard cutout versions? Yeah, so I think what they did was put uh, the media members who cover the team, they got in the front row, and also the family members of the players so that they could see their family members when they were coming up to bat, which is understandable, but, like, I should have been right after that. I mean, <laughs> exactly, yeah. yeah. The outfield, like, what did I ever do? <laughs> like that's, a punishment. that's the last time I get a cardboard cut out of myself made and put into a baseball stadium, which I guess exactly. we're all hoping that's the case anyway so that we can yeah, actually get back like, to watching it. Got to work on that. And I I actually thought what was pretty funny is that uh, the Rays have actual stingrays in their stadium during the games. But um, they had a thing on the the news where the Rays are like sea puppies. Like they need a lot of love and attention. And normally fans can go and pet the Rays during games. But because there's no fans this year, they had to move all the Rays out to an aquarium where people could come and visit because they were going to have no socialization this year. That's another horror story, isn't it? COVID again, striking at the heart of these manta rays. Yes, exactly. Yeah, I I just, there's so many ramifications from coronavirus, and I thought that was an interesting one that hasn't been covered. But I think the good news is normally when I'm at a game, like I'm just eating constantly. Um, And so I think the good news about my cardboard cutout is that when they show it, if and when it ever happens again, I, I won't have food in my face because well, there you go. it's stagnant. So that's the only upside. Yeah, but what the NBA Zoom snack? call, you've got to be careful with the snacks at home again because, yeah. you know, they can cut to you just as you're taking the big bite of nachos or something that are twice as big as you get in the actual NBA stadiums because you're making them at home. So you can indulge a little bit more, right? Exactly. It was actually somewhat more pressure. I mean, you're at home, which is nice, but I was it was just me the whole game and there were only a few fans in the background. So like, you can't just get up and go to the bathroom. You can't have a, like, there's no way that they're going to pan to someone else. I mean, there was only a few of five rows in, in the background of every shot. And so the pressure was really on. It's like, um, I'm hungry. When is the bathroom break? So, you, know, you really had to take the fandom up a few levels in order to be present during quarantine. If anybody can do it, it's you because every single person that I've met and whenever we've kind of had, what, three meetings, the kind of, uh, when we met in in Argentina which still just blows my mind that we got to hang out there as well as up in uh, Miami and Atlanta but you are you have such a kind of positive upbeat spirit everybody knows when you're in the area you're always looking on the the kind of the best side of everything it is an infectious personality and it you can't not be kind of happy around you it seems um and that's coming from a guy that's pretty miserable a lot of the time, to be honest. Like, <laughs> True story. Uh, well, that's because it's thankfully it's your personality that raises me up a little bit. Otherwise, I'm just the most droll, miserable sod you can find. Don't worry. It's that English demeanor of mine that's just built in. But, you um, match the 
Atlanta. Is that the deal? Yeah, kind of, pretty much. Which in Atlanta, it was cold. So I was a pretty cold person that week. That was, I thought Georgia was meant to be sunny in the south, not this minus four rubbish that we had to deal with. Literally, believe me, even coming one state away, I could barely handle it. But I do think it's hysterical that we live on different continents and we seem to keep running into each other all over the world. (laughs) There's no one else I have a story like this with. It's hysterical. Yeah, it's just weird. What happened? Uh, I'll let Wit tell the tell the details of it. Okay, so we've uh, Ollie and I originally met at the Super Bowl in Atlanta. One of my clients, Cam Lynch, was picked by the NFL to broadcast the Super Bowl. And, uh, lucky for him, he was paired with Ollie, and they got to do it together and kind of bonded. And that's where they met. And the next year in Miami, we ran into each other on Radio Row, and I got to introduce him to another cl- client, Brandon Copeland. But the funniest of them all was that we ran into each other in Argentina. Uh, I was there with my mom and I'm, we were talking about this moment the other night and so grateful for it because we had no idea it was one of the last times we were going to be able to travel. Um, it was last May and I was there right. with my mom for a meeting and I saw on Instagram the power of social media that Ollie was down there too. And I said, we have this one night. My mom has this cocktail reception with some of her coworkers. Do you want to join so that we we can catch up? Poor Ollie got stuck in traffic like two miles away from the hotel. He was already running a little late. So major credit to him. He got out of the Uber and sprinted the the rest of the two miles to the hotel. It's this beautiful, elaborate ballroom. It's all these lawyers. Everyone's very dressed up. And Ollie came in drenched in sweat and such a trooper. And um, yeah, I was like, Ollie, this is my mom. I mean, the whole thing was absolutely hysterical. But we had so much fun catching up and just couldn't believe that we were in the middle of Argentina and able to reunite. It was so random. It was the athlete and only coming out there. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, that is the fastest two-mile jog that I'd done in a long time at that point, I tell you. Especially uh, if you give Ollie the chance of having booze, he's going to run very fast. Delicious red wine at that reception. <laughs> Cannot thank you enough oh, really? for that one. Yeah, it was phenomenal. You know, I'd been, I'd been drinking the kind of, what, $6 cheap stuff from the supermarket, just getting by while being out there, and then suddenly the grandest hotel I'd seen, the nicest area of the city and everybody's dressed wonderfully and I'm there in like black shirt and jeans, which is about as smart as I could get at that point, but then covered in sweat. I was just so out of place. <laughs> it was unreal. <laughs> and to his credit, he was such a trooper. He didn't know anyone besides us. It was this very sort of upscale cocktail reception environment and then a uh, tango demonstration broke out so Ollie just oh, wow. went with flow because uh, the whole thing was uh, quite a wild night and we were throwing lots of different things at him and he just he just went with it was I mean, he a good tango dancer? Oh, uh, I did not tango. No, no. Oh, okay. No. No. I, was, I was getting excited there. I thought maybe Ollie's got some uh, secret dance moves. He's not been telling people. I about. have. I have no dance moves whatsoever. I wouldn't pull them out in front of Whitney or her mum. I respect them far too much to you know <laughs> tarnish their eyes with such moves, particularly a ta- dance like the tango in its native land. It couldn't be done. Yeah, <laughs> Ollie, but you have spent a long time in Argentina. I mean, you've been down there for months at a time. So I feel like you must have picked up some moves that you're not showing us. On Honestly, people won't believe this, but I actually work too much to be able to do things like going out for the tango lessons and stuff. We have, you know, five, six days a week, basically, of solid work, late nights, early starts. And then the one day a week that you get off, I just want to die and be in bed and like watch the college football and stuff like that because I'm on the right time line for once to be able to watch the US sports a little better than staying up till midnight and stuff. So, uh, 
yeah, as much as I'd love to say, like, oh, yeah, I've traveled around and I've experienced all the kind of the delights and the quintessential cafes in La Boca and stuff. It's like, no, I'm dead to the world on that Saturday. Me and my uh, mate down there go for a couple of beers. But but that's about it. Unfortunately, you got to go to Iguazu and stuff, though, didn't you? You went up there for for the day. Oh, yeah, that was amazing. Yeah, we flew to Iguazu Falls literally, literally for the day hiked all three levels of it and then flew back at night it was probably the most epic day of all time but it was the highlight of that trip i'm glad we kind of took advantage and and went for the adventure this is what i'm talking about though if like you know you do iguasu in a day some people go up there and do like two three nights and you know take their time with it and you're like no we're gonna do it we're gonna do all three levels of it bam 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 the energy i mean you and you and cam do the energy captains podcast but that is no misnomer of that podcast both you and and cam are just like let's get it let's get at it let's go 110 percent, and then let's find the next thing to go on to it's insane man where's it all come from I don't know. It's just kind of our, our DNA. And I thought I had a lot of energy until I met Cam. And now I, I just feel asleep next to him because oh, really? that guy goes at 400 miles an hour. I think his girlfriend said he's always at a thousand percent. And that's the best way to put it. I mean, he's nothing less. And you just feel completely sluggish when you're around him. So I feel grateful to have found someone like him to kind of pump me up and keep me going because he just his his energy level is unbelievable and I don't know where he gets it from I imagine you both kind of read off each other quite a lot to be honest I, I can't imagine Cam flacking because I've never seen it but if it does right. happen I imagine you're there like continually pushing him up the hill lines, and yeah, vice yeah. versa kind of thing as well we um, try. I think of both of us <clears throat> in our lives we're a little bit the underdogs like we were just kind of growing up it was sort of Okay, mediocrity and, you know, used to, we looked around us and everything just kind of felt average, but that's never how we felt. And so we always knew if we wanted to achieve our dreams, we were going to have to outwork everyone, go above and beyond and really bring it at every moment to be able to accomplish our goals. And I think we realized that's been the differentiator for us and we've kind of stuck with it. And it just, it was in our DNA, but it also became how we operated in our daily lives. That's awesome, man. Um, Really good. In terms of, and not to go back to like the depressing story of COVID, because it's, I mean, it's just lingering over us and all of that sort of stuff. Uh, But in terms of dealing with COVID, in your position as kind of a marketing manager for for these athletes, including Brandon and and Cam, um, somebody who is quite obviously very well connected and knowledgeable about the impact of, of dealing with things like brand creation with social media and and being trying to be innovative with things like Instagram, Twitter and what that can do to kind of reach out to expand an athlete's brand, but also kind of create followers and fans of individual athletes as well as the teams. Is COVID almost like quite exciting at the same time? Because there is, and that isn't to say to like wipe off the sincerity of what's happening, but from your kind of professional realm right now, there's a lot that is being done and can be done to continue to reach out even more. And social media seems to be at the forefront of that right now. And it's something that somebody with your knowledge and expertise, there is there a bit of you that's kind of almost excited about the opportunities that are coming with it to an extent? Or is excited the wrong word? I, I don't want to make it sound like that we're being blasé with... the longest question in history. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, the short answer is no. I mean, no one is immune from the effects of COVID and it's provided a lot of extra challenges. I mean, my business before COVID hit was sports and events and appearances. Starting March 11th, both of those got wiped off the face of the planet. 
So not only was I, as a business, trying to innovate and figure out what's next, a lot of the guys I work with had never been in this circumstance. So part of it became not only trying to figure out my own path, but how do I help them? Uh, you know, Cam is someone who's used to broadcasting and being out and about every day and playing football. And someone like Brandon has a baby, someone like Cam, um, it's just he and his girlfriend. And so a, a lot of the guys who are used to being busy saw it as a break to, to spend time with their families. But if you didn't have that, it was very isolating, very lonely. I think um, we had a lot of talks about the importance of patience, working on your mental health during this time. And I think eventually pretty quickly what I evolved to was looking for the silver linings of COVID. So how can you make the most of every day? How can we make our world better than it was before because of COVID and what opportunities now exist because of our new world? And I think obviously the the building of a digital presence became even more important than ever because you couldn't actually show up. So your digital presence fully represented you. And that was how you could build your brand and get the word out. A lot of people look at pro athletes and say, well, they play a sport, so they're set for life. But that's not necessarily the case for the vast majority of the guys, especially in the NFL. They could be on three teams for the preseason and never make it to week one on an NFL roster never really make a, an NFL paycheck and you never know when it's going to end. So the guys I work with while they've been playing, use their off days to have internships, to do speaking opportunities, to build their careers off the field. And same thing after practice, a lot of guys go home and play Nintendo, but not the guys I work with. They're running to a radio station to practice broadcasting or flipping a house. And so because they had used their spot, their time in the spotlight and the opportunities they were given to build a second career, they were okay during COVID. And it's some of the few athletes that I knew were okay and, and were sort of still being tapped for opportunities uh, because they had put that work in. And I think it's a really important lesson for everyone because COVID hit and it shocked a lot of people. People lost opportunities, but those opportunities are gonna come back. And even beforehand, everyone is sort of given their time in the spotlight or their dream job or things are going well for them. But instead of resting on your laurels, I hope this opportunity serves as a wake up call to ask yourself what else you can be doing during these times to create a plan B or to maximize the opportunity you're in. Can you meet with a few extra people, have a few extra phone calls? What can you do to make the most of whatever situation you're in? Yeah, I mean, that's one of the things that came out of the, the talk with Brandon actually was in terms of I didn't realize when people got paid in the NFL. And I saw on a different podcast he was on that it was like 4 p.m. on the Tuesday, I think it is. And there's one week where he got told at 3.56 that he'd been cut. Right. And that obviously would completely change your point of view on everything that happens. I mean, having a secondary kind of backup, if that's how quickly it can be taken away from you, completely makes sense. And yeah, hats off to these guys doing all the extra bits. I mean, it's amazing. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, we have broadcasting, which you can still now do virtually. Sports are back. Two guys in real estate. That never died down during no, COVID. Yeah. If anything, here in Florida, at least, you know, people were moving from New York when it was bad in the cities. And we had uh, people in buildings who wanted to get into larger spaces and in their own property. So real estate shot up. Obviously, 
people were struggling with money issues. So Brandon came into play and Steve McClendon with his gym. I mean, people still wanted to work out and he had this huge open space and out in the outskirts of Georgia and outdoor areas. And he was able to hold classes socially distanced. So like I said, they were the only group of people who, because they had put in the work ahead of time to create second careers when COVID hit, they had a backup plan. And that's why these guys have succeeded because they never they never take the opportunity they're given and are just content with it. They figure out how they can totally blow it out of the water and make the most of it. And I think it's very inspiring because at the same time, they are the busiest people you could ever imagine. I mean, the practices, the games, all of it is so physically and mentally draining. So it just shows if they can do it, the rest of us don't have any excuses. I don't say I that. Content- I was looking for an excuse. So- like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think content is the big word there as well, isn't it? I think as soon as you kind of admit that you're content with where you are, that's when you get complacent and you kind of stop doing what you could be doing to grow further. So yeah, that's a yeah fascinating way of looking and, at things. And, it, and it's so many people don't hear the stories that you only get paid 17 weeks a year in the mm-hmm. NFL. And I, I knew one guy was on the jets the seahawks and the bucks for almost all of preseason and every time right before the season started he got cut and i mean you almost make minimum wage when you're working preseason so to the outside world it looked like he had been on three nfl teams but in reality he could have made more taking any other job in society than probably being on the preseason roster maybe he made a thousand dollars a week and had to pay for car and hotel and so he's someone who you know thought three times that he was going to be making an NFL salary and it didn't even happen once. So there's so many stories like that in Brandon's. He was on IR. He got cut a bunch of times. And I I think he'll tell you when I met him, I think it was 2017. He was kind of bouncing around. He, I don't want to say floundering. He had been on a few different teams, but it just had bad luck with injuries and getting cut. And then we started working on his financial literacy platform. And I want to say by the end of a year of us working together, he had, I want to say it was maybe 12 interest from 12 teams or, I mean, it completely shot up. So his story is a, a, a very valid example of the importance of building your brand off the field. If COVID doesn't do it, hopefully he can serve as an example because it's, it's elongated his NFL career because he's seen as a winner on and off the field. Do you think teams look yeah, at like that, that like, you know when somebody's got a cv and for any job and it suddenly says you know went traveling around uh, south america for 18 months and you know the person who's doing the hiring in hr will be like well that's something that's quite unique and actually interesting and shows they have a lot of experience elsewhere outside of this job that might be beneficial down the line do nfl teams do you think look at kind of a skill set that brandon has and go oh right well he's obviously interested in doing something else outside of football as well if he can do something on the pitch that's great but it also shows that he's got the mental capabilities elsewhere as well to not just be this kind of I don't want to say one note jock because that sounds too like movie and cliche kind of thing but you know it's it's another little string to the bow so to speak that an NFL team would look at and appreciate if you will I have no doubt I mean I think just by nature it elevates the person's name if you the week of the NFL draft uh, a year or two ago Brandon who wasn't drafted was the main story on ESPN.com because of the work he had been doing with his real estate flipping and financial literacy. And so just that 
high profile attention that he was getting and his names everywhere, he starts to become a celebrity and become really well known to people. And that definitely starts to catch on. He becomes a famous player. I think secondarily, you hear so many stories of the bad guys and the impact that has on their, on his teammates, on team chemistry and the, the bad PR. And so I think very recently over the past few years teams have really wanted to make sure that the person is a good guy and they look into that before signing them because they don't want that bad juju brought into their team and they don't want um the bad pr they don't want it to be disruptive they want people who are going to be great leaders on the field and off the field uh, and, and that's someone i would call a winner and i think that's what they're looking for also because you look at a guy like antonio brown and see what that did i mean he has top talent but he's currently not on a roster so i think they know what happens to someone who doesn't have good character and when you have the opposite end of the spectrum they know how much you know after a bad week that person can help rally some of the rookies and um bring a team together and kind of mentally get them on the right track and, and that's invaluable and so someone like that is is a true unicorn and, and absolutely a team wants to hold on to that's an awesome phrase, a true unicorn. I really like that. That's a really good one. We might have to clip that off and start using that as a drop at some point of uh, describing I'm sure, people. I'm sure Brandon will be thrilled. I'm going around describing him as a unicorn. I'm sure that's how he's talking about himself in the Patriots locker room. You need to I get mean, him a pair of unicorn socks to wear under his game day socks. Exactly. We just need like a little thing he can walk in and wear yeah, yeah. some pastel colors and pixie dust i think it'll be a really really great fit but that's how i view him because when i met him he'll tell you he said to me are you sure you want to take me on i'm kind of a nobody but i could see the innate success within him and what a superstar human being he was and i knew that was gonna those are the type of people that win in life they end up being very successful so i had no doubt that he was going to be a superstar and i think teams realize that also that when someone has the intangibles they're going to be a success for their organization that's the key though, isn't it? It's the intangibles. And that's the thing that you you always hear in the draft, especially. You always got all the intangibles because athletes can have all the physical skills you can need, but if they can't understand where they should be, or like you say, if they haven't got the mental toughness to deal with things or the ability to dedicate themselves and push themselves daily to do and become the best they can be, it doesn't matter what skills you've got. You have to have that intangible stuff to go with it. Yeah, well, you're speaking to my soul here because I've just had to put up with Jameis Winston for the last four years. So, <laughs> yeah. I mean, talk about... He's got eye surgery. He's had eye surgery. And I'm I'm glad for him he doesn't have to wear glasses, but ju- good judgment doesn't come from your eyes. No, I know. <laughs> yeah. And you're glad... Remember- what? You're glad he doesn't have to wear that Bucks uniform anymore as well, oh, I take it then. Thank God. It's someone, <laughs> a, a member of the media here posted a picture of him in his Saints uniform and said, what are three words that you think of when you see this picture? And for me, it was like, adios, goodbye, sayonara. It was like, what <laughs> wow. are all the ways that I could say peace out to this guy because I couldn't wait for him to be. It was just so painful. And I think I kept hearing the same rhetoric over and over again, whereas for me, the first day – that he was drafted. I remember watching the draft and I was frozen when I saw that he was picked because I said, I've never seen a good leader with bad judgment. So I knew based on the decisions he was making, he's probably a good hearted person um, and he means well, but you can't have someone seven, eight, nine times make bad judgment calls and then ultimately be a winner and someone who's successful. So I just knew it was never going to pan out. It was like, how soon can we get rid of this guy? And then the universe rewarded me with Tom Brady. Are, you, are and we talking about change of uniforms too? Yeah. Because <laughs> the jerseys that Winston had bookended his entire stint were not the best. And the new ones they've got again are far better. 
Oh, without a doubt. I mean, the whole time he just threw to the other team. I mean, if yeah. Tom Brady just throws to our team, we'll already <laughs> you already better. Yeah, I mean, it was like it became a joke that within the first two minutes of every game last year, you'd turn it on and Jameis would have already thrown an interception. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad I this... Mean, even- Go ahead. I'm glad the city of Tampa sees it the way that we've been seeing it as well. Like there's sometimes there's a little bit of kind of lost in translation, but when it comes to Jameis Winston, I think both sides of the pond are able to say the exact same thing that he's a yeah. terrible quarterback. Well, we asked Cam about it, didn't we? And he was he was a bit more uh, nice about it than we were. Oh well, Cam is friends with Jameis. That's <laughs> <so>. <laughs> yeah. They're, they're good friends, and they played on a team together. And that's that's the thing. Everyone who plays with Jameis really likes him. I'm not saying he's a bad person. He's probably a really nice guy. Mm-hmm. He means well. But on and off the field, he, he doesn't make judgment calls worthy of an ultimate leader. Yeah. Unless yeah. you want your leader to pick up a load of crab's legs for a party. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> exactly. And I'll tell you, I knew... I knew we were going to be off to a bad start because the night he signed his contract here in Tampa that first year, he posted a picture celebrating with crab legs. <laughs> I oh, don't know. I kind of like that. That's quite leaning <laughs> into it. There, isn't yeah, it? that's leaning but into like, it. <laughs> but like, it was just, you got off on the wrong foot. It was a new chapter, a new city. You're in the pros. You have a chance to put all the other mess behind you and you start out by resurfacing it. Yeah, yeah, very much so. Yeah. That's not trying to put the past behind you and show that you've matured, is it? Not at all. Exactly. So, so with that, when they drafted Winston, would you have rather they drafted Mariota? Because, of course, he's not had a stellar career either. I would have rather they drafted the Crab Legs. Anything. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's so I mean, big. I just, I could so clearly see he had bad judgment. And like we talked about, your intangibles and how you behave off the field dictates how you're going to succeed on the field. So I knew very early on it wasn't going to be pretty. And so Mariota, when you compared them, seemed like a really quality person, made good decisions. Yeah. And we don't know what would have happened down here, but I would have, I, there's there's no way anyone could have thrown more interceptions than Jameis. So to this day, I would still <laughs> yeah. take anyone else. That's a fair point. This um this idea of uh the kind of personalities on and off the pitch brings me to so there's normally another guy uh on the podcast, Dave, who can't be with us this evening. He's sent me a message with very detailed instructions of how this needs to be read. It's a question that he has for you. It's line for line. I need to go word for word. So if I stumble over the words, I do apologize. Okay, did he sweat too much and pass out? Is that what happened to him? Is that what no, 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 nothing like well, maybe. But um, he says, uh, hi, Wit. Sorry, I can't be there. I hope the guys are behaving themselves without me as the voice of reason. Jazz, especially. (laughs) Which is a bold call already because Dave, not that rational. Uh, Being a fan of American football and film, when I think about sports agents, I still think about Jerry Maguire. Do you think your current role of working closely with players will help you care more about your clients and make them show you the money? Wink, wink. Which I think, I don't, the wink thing is, yeah, I, I, I didn't think, <laughs> I didn't think the wink was needed, but he said. Creepy the winking, isn't it? Yeah, That's he said, it's creepy. underneath it, he said, read it like that. So this is all his wording of it. <laughs> I guess he's talking about having, you know, good people in your entourage, so you speak. And uh, do you think that will help benefit down the line in your role? Um, 
I love that he wrote out the wink wink. I mean, that really is yeah. just going going the extra mile there. So I, I hope I uh, make him proud with my answer. But I think loyalty and love are the key to everything in life and putting your best foot forward and doing the right thing. And for me, my clients are my family. I don't know how to be any other way. And I think when I started my business, I assumed I was just going to be doing social media and endorsement deals or appearances for the athletes. And very quickly, I became alarmed. I looked around and the athletes had agents who on a good year maybe came to one of their games. And the teams had marketing and social media people, but no one was helping these guys maximize their time in the spotlight and figure out life after sports. I mean, I looked at someone like Cam, he came over to my house for Thanksgiving with my family because you're in a new city. You don't know anyone. These guys are young. It's very lonely. It's very isolating. And when people meet them, they treat them like celebrities and, and figure out what they can get out of it, but no one is thinking about helping them. And so for me, I don't know any other way to be. And especially once I realized the circumstances, it became my calling and my purpose. You know, I say to the guys I work with, don't look at football as your purpose. How can you look at it as your platform to your purpose? And for me, I, I thought I, my purpose was helping them build their brands. And sure, I do that. But ultimately, I try and help them become the best versions of themselves and make their lives better. And I think that that was just very rare from what I've gathered in the sports world. It was a lot of how can I suck money out of you and then just corporate mom because he said I was the first person in his life that was a day-to-day -day teammate so all I can do is what's within my is do what I think is best and and do my best to help these guys and take care of them and figure out their next paths after sports and teach them the right way to do things and whatever comes from that is great um I think especially someone like Brandon Copeland, when we started out working together, it was just us. He wasn't really a name. And now he's getting opportunities left and right. And people are reaching out for things. And I, I don't think he's ever forgotten that when I go visit, I held his newborn baby or I send birthday gifts or I'm also equally friendly with his wife because I think that establishes a level of trust and comfort that they aren't getting even close to with anyone else in sports. So you hope it pays off. And I want them to see I genuinely care because I, I, I love these guys and it breaks my heart how other people treat them. And then whatever comes from that is a bonus. So really you're kind of treating them as if how you'd want to be treated if the roles were reversed. I think if you do that in life anyway, you kind of get the best out of everything you can because if you treat everyone the way you wish to be treated, you can't really go wrong. Exactly. But yeah, I, yeah. There's so. I imagine there's so many leeches. I imagine as well when you become a athlete, getting paid the NFL money in the verticals. All your friends from high school and all the ones from college that said hi to you three times. Suddenly they come out the woodwork and say, "Buy me this. Give me a car. I'm really down on my luck. I need some money." And you think, "Oh, he was a nice guy. I'll do that." But you don't think about the leeches just trying to take everything they can off you for no reward. Absolutely, and I think that. For so long, everyone has referred to these guys as an athlete. That's that's how they know themselves. And so it's really important to me to drill, dr drill down and help them figure out, okay, who are you as a person? What is, who are you authentically? So that whatever we select moving forward for your careers and whatever we pursue can be sustainable for the whole rest of your life so that you know, I, I think a lot of these guys, you know, they play football, they train, and that's all they're used to for 20 plus years. And then one day they get cut and they don't know 
how to go about things. What we had to figure out in middle or high school, they're figuring out in their mid twenties. A lot of them don't have a support system. And so they're completely left high and dry. And it broke my heart of what that can do to someone's mental health and their, their mental well being. And I didn't want any of my clients to have to go through that. I wanted to establish the transition before it even happened so that once it did happen, they were so excited about the next chapter. They, they didn't care that the previous one was yeah. ending and yeah. to, to really sit down with them and say, okay, what is unique about you that's going to last forever that you're passionate about that separates you from everyone else? I don't think most people are doing that with them. So when we're tracking for their next career steps in life, we're doing something that they're going to be really excited about, that's going to be fulfilling, that they're going to be happy about. And I just, yeah, I think in addition to the, to, to the leeches, no one has helped them figure out who they are as people outside of sports. And I think always referring to them as an athlete can ultimately be detrimental. Dude, that is one thing I was just thinking there is these guys and, and I, I certainly felt it when Cam and I were talking before the Super Bowl, when they had that media advisor who was kind of going through broadcasting with Cam like it was NFL game tape. You're like, if this happens, think about this. If this happens, think about this. And then all of the guys from the TalkSport crew were like, dude, Cam, just be yourself. Like, be yeah. you. We want your personality. Like, if you can give us insight into the game, great. If you can look at things and be a second pair of eyes for me, even better. Uh, just, you know, enjoy it and relax and have fun. And then... But you are taking guys that have had probably since the last couple of years of high school all the way through college and then into their professional careers that can go at any moment. They are trained almost like robotically. It's this happens. So you go here. This happens. You go here. We're going to sort out your diet, your fitness, everything else. Your life is planned almost for you. And then you come along and it's like, hey, there's a whole big world out there outside of this thing. What what do you actually like when you're not thinking about football in those five minutes of the day that you're allowed to think for yourself almost kind of thing? That must be a really tough like nut to crack open for a lot of these guys as well, because they don't think that freely for a lot of their days. Exactly. I mean, you really have to have a conversation about self-awareness. I sit down with them. I get to know them as people. I mean, it's a long time before we start talking business. We make sure that we connect as human beings first. And luckily, the guys that come my way and that I work with are self-motivated. I don't have to push them towards anything. They're very aware that football isn't going to last forever. And you have to have that humble mentality to be able to do what we do and to build these second careers and figure it out because you have to accept that I'm not going to be a football player forever. And I think it's a very hard step for a lot of guys to get there in the first place because they don't want to lose that glory. And oftentimes it doesn't end on their own terms. And that's still very hard no matter what, but it does help soften the blow if there's something they're excited about that they can fall back on. And I think I also became pretty disappointed that these leagues have so much money, every connection, every resource in the world and how little they do to prepare these guys for life after sports. It's kind of like, all right, once we're done with you, then we don't have to invest anymore. You kind of get kicked to the curb. I mean, I think Cam told me one time he was on a bus on the way to the airport for a game and they were like, you're cut and just kind of dropped him off. And I think (laughs) metaphorically, that's what happens also. And so I also sit down and I have to, we have to have a lot of hard conversations in, in talking about business. I mean, most of them don't have resumes. You have to put together a resume. I talk about if you want to start your own company, 
you have to pay employees. And these are the ramifications. If you're just asking people to do things for free, you could get sued because they're used to their world where their athletes and people approach them and offer things all the time. And they're happy to take the handouts. That sounds great. But when you're running your own company, it doesn't work that way. And so their brain isn't trained that way. And the importance of having a lawyer look over contracts. And so sometimes I I hate that I feel like I have to be tough on them, but I'm always looking out for them and protecting them. And apparently until we get to these conversations, no one has told them these things before. And I think they're instrumental in protecting themselves for the next chapter of their lives. And so we almost have a, a business combine of our own of, hey, not only do we have to figure out what you want to do, but we also have to prepare you for the things that you're not used to. By the way, when you're in a job, whether you're joining a company or you're starting your own, like there's such thing as an HR department. There are things you can say and you can't say. You can't bring locker room talk in into the office setting. And, you know, a lot of them are leaders on the field. And so they think they can go right into business. They don't realize there's all these other things and departments involved like HR and marketing and running a business. If only the Washington football team had thought about that a few years ago before sending their cheerleaders all over the country and the right. world actually, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing is, you're, once you hear how some of these owners act or, you know, the uh, culture yeah. at some of the teams, you're not surprised that the players end up that way. But I just think it's the mentality that everyone looks at them as superstars and thinks they're going to be okay forever, but there's no one actually there making sure that they are okay. Yeah. And that became really alarming to me. And I, how could I, once you start working with someone like that and so closely, how could you not take care of them and look out for them? And by the way, I'm not always handholding. I, oftentimes give them tough answers and things that they're not happy about, but it's because it's, it's what's going to be most helpful for them moving forward. You know, I, I won't work for a year for free because when you have your own employees, you can't expect that either. You know, I want them to be fully ready to handle every part of the next chapter of their lives because my heart will break if they get themselves into a situation where they just didn't know any better. Yeah. God, it's, it's, yeah, that's a great way of saying it. It's like the education that they should be given in college while they're playing college ball. You know, right. they all seem to do the kind of courses like business management and stuff like that. But I guess a lot of the time when you're playing college football, that kind of goes into the background of the studies and you end up just being on the practice field in the weights room a hell of a lot and doing playbook stuff. And actually, yeah. Have you ever thought about doing lecturing, like going to universities and doing that sort of thing? Because this is something that really are lessons that a lot of these pro athletes could do with learning far earlier before they ever get anywhere near a professional contract. Or everyone, really. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, yeah, um, we will be asking you to work for free for a year in marketing this podcast, yeah. if that's okay. So, you know. Yeah, no problem. Sign me up. Um, as you can see by the last, you know, 43 minutes that's obviously my platform and what i believe in. so i'm glad that everyone on and is on the same page so it's funny because i'll you know this but i you know wrote a book that came out of course right when quarantine hit and i think that again when we're talking about purpose i always thought okay my purpose is this company and working with athletes and i realized that in my business, I'm helping them become the best versions of themselves. And my favorite part was the teaching. I mean, the lessons that I teach them, I'll say, you can't have happiness until you have 0% toxicity in your life. You have to sometimes do a, you know, addition by subtraction, getting, getting rid of the hangers on. That's a big thing in their lives. And tell them the only thing people remember is how you make them feel. And so ultimately, 
I ended up putting all of those things into this book because I realized those were the most, that was the most impactful thing I could pass along were, were these life lessons that no one had taught them about in your personal and professional life, how to succeed. And so since the book has come out, my favorite thing to do is to be able to talk and share the lessons in there. And um, I've done a few speeches, um, but coronavirus hit pretty quickly. So if universities would have me, I would absolutely love to be there because I think also what I put in there is my own story. I mean. I wanted to be the sideline reporter on Monday Night Football. I now created my own company. I mean, every job has been something that didn't exist and I had to have that tunnel vision to follow my own path and chase happiness. A lot of people feel like they have to live life to make other people happy or they're supposed to go to a nine to five job. And not only with you know what I put in the book and my own story, but with the athletes I work with, I see you can create a path that hasn't existed before. So I think that combination of lessons, you know, hopefully really helps people find their place in the world. Yeah. So when I was looking at the the book and when it was released, I saw it was the thirty first of March this year. Is that right? Yep. Right around pandemic. Yeah. <laughs> right around coronavirus. <laughs> so if anything, it's probably a good time to have done that because if you got the word out well enough, people are at home, nothing to do why not try and get some self-help books, especially with the way that it affected people's mental health just during the, the time. I mean, it was a roller coaster for me, for example. So uh, yeah, that sort of self-help book would have been perfectly timed. Yeah, it was, uh, it was a combination of feelings. I think um, at first I was like, oh no, I took yeah. nine months to write this book. I poured everything into it. It's supposed to be this big launch and now it's all canceled. I had two book signings that were scheduled that we had to cancel. And then Cam and I were scheduled to do a fireside chat where he was going to interview me about the book and we were having an audience come. So that got canceled. So that was all a bummer. So I think those were my sort of first feelings. And then I was like, mm, this book like means too much to me. Like how am I going to get it into people's hands? And so I turned into a delivery service and anyone who ordered it in the Tampa area, I would put it in a little bag and leave it at their front door. Oh, People how lovely. Elsewhere. Yeah, I would, I would drop it at the post office. And I think I realized things have a way of working out. So I sold a lot of books being a delivery service. And like you said, the whole world was stuck at home. So what better time to release a book when <laughs> exactly. every, everyone is sitting at home with nothing to do. So they had plenty of time on their hands to read. And then for everyone who ordered one from me before it went on Amazon, I wrote a handwritten note. And a lot of those early purchasers were people who I've known my whole life or who had a tremendous impact on me. And so I was able to really convey to them my appreciation. It was kind of my thank you for everything they had done and let them know how much they had, had meant to me. And if I were doing in-person book signings, I would have never had the time to do that. So I look at things in retrospect and, and I think it was a blessing in disguise and it worked out the way it was supposed to. And next week I'm recording the audio book, which I wouldn't have had time to do otherwise. So I think that uh, it, it, Corona ended up being, you know, probably maybe one of the best things that could have happened for my, my whole book launch. This oh. is the silver lining thing I'm talking about <laughs> of Whitney Holzman right here. I mean, if that doesn't sum it all up of putting a, a positive spin on everything, I don't know what does man that's um yeah yeah it's finding the silver lining in the global pandemic is hard but yeah somehow you've been able to do it man um what about because i wait for the audiobook as well I'm, I'm i'm not very good at sitting down and reading things so put it in my ears is a much better way around it for me so okay good i'm recording well, that's out. I'll yeah that's, that's, that's what i wanted to hear yeah if there's no, not a personal message in there whitney i'll be disappointed yeah no i heard ahead of time you don't really love reading books and i was like well before i come on i have to like secure the audiobook so that yeah. jack because if you don't get to read it what is the point of me writing it exactly well, yeah exactly yeah you only read it for me right that's, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> um i remember when we first met you were talking about going down the path of being a player's agent 
as well and kind of undertaking that because you have to have a license right don't you to to become a, a nfl players agent is that still an ongoing thing has that happened i haven't i don't think i've caught up with you about whether that's still on track or not well you're gonna get a live update along with everyone else right now <laughs> um so it's actually been an interesting situation i applied in january and paid the fee and the test is supposed to be every july but it's in person in DC. You do a couple day symposium and then you get the test at the end of it because of coronavirus. It all they told us was it's been canceled. They're hoping to reschedule in the fall, but they really don't know. So all of us who would like to become agents this year and take the test are in a total holding pattern and we don't know when we'll be able to actively do that. I will say um, again, like when Corona hit, it's, it's easy in quarantine. I mean, you're lucky if you don't catch coronavirus um, and you, you have to consider that a winning day, but there can still be a lot of depressing days or, or you focus on the lost opportunities, but I've really just tried to focus on what opportunities I can create. And one of them um, was that there's an NFL agent named Joshua Grady, very down to earth, wonderful guy, happened to play quarterback at Florida where I went and boo. he created, um, did you say boo? Yeah. Yeah. Tim Tebow. Right. You, I know you love Tebow, but oh, come on. God. All right. I'm going to finish my story because then I'll go on a rant. I should have put on my Tim Tebow socks. For I'm this podcast so glad. Well, Tim Tebow jersey or should have had one. I have everything. I literally have socks with his face on it. But anyway, Joshua Grady put together this eight-week agent academy, and he did it over Zoom. So every week was a different topic of being an agent. He talked about the test. He talked about recruiting. He talked about the contracts, about marketing. And so at least during this time, we were able to get a class of us together who all want to be agents. We got to meet each other and then kind of have inside experience to learn from a current agent all the ins and outs that you could never learn from taking a test so i got a little bit of additional experience but it's hard because i would love to get started i i know there are i there are some players that have expressed interest um and really the the reason i wanted to become an agent is because one of my clients wanted to play one more year in the nfl and i kept on social media watching his agent and the agent lived about four hours away driving from where my client played. Not once did that guy get in the car and come and meet with the team. Almost every post on social media was him at a pool party or him at a swanky hotel or him traveling. And I would have been pitched a tent and sleeping outside the facility until they would let me in until I could get a contract for my athlete. I mean, I would go to the ends of the earth and I watched this guy who didn't even seem like he was doing the basics to try. And so I thought, you know what, this is the one thing that I can't do at the moment to help my clients. And I don't want their, I, I, I want my business to be able to do everything that my clients need help with and to be able to fully take care of them. And so that's what got me started on this Asian journey in the first place. And so I would really love to execute on that vision, but to the NFL and their, the PA's credit, I think they're trying to figure out regular football first, which I kind of understand. Yeah. That's a big, that's still a big one as well, isn't it? Big figuring out yeah, going totally. on. With it. Yeah. Um, I asked, I asked this, just talking about regular football then, to Dave uh, earlier in the week because I knew he wouldn't be on the podcast, so I got his answer in the bag already. Okay. If I gave you an over-under of 6.5 weeks of football, how much football do you think we're going to have this year? Under. Under 6.5. Under 6.5. I think that um, I've been, like, from the beginning – 
in March when th this whole thing broke, I said very early on that I don't think we can have functioning pro sports until there's a vaccine. I think the NFL has done it, uh, the, the NBA has done it pretty well putting everyone in a bubble, but that is the only circumstance that works. Same thing with the NHL. Those are the only places where you don't have positive cases. If you're letting the athletes roam around in their free time, there is no way unless there are restrictions in place, you're in a bubble. There's no way you're going to tell a bunch of NFL players who have a lot of money to sit in their room for six months <laughs> that in are young, that a lot of them are making a lot of money for the first time there, there is no way they're going to have that discipline. So if they're going to be able to go to restaurants and go out and about and the virus is still spreading, I, I don't understand. There's traveling involved and you're all in a big group. I don't understand how you can possibly have a season. I mean, I think MLB currently underway is still in trouble. It's proven it all the, all the way, isn't it, actually, with the Marlins mm. and the, it's the Cardinals? Cardinals, yeah. yeah. Those guys, yeah. they went to a, a casino and they, you know, the Marlins went to some clubs and restaurants. And I mean, that was only a few of them in a few places. And it just shows that can ruin everything. I mean, here, here in the U.S., we can't even open schools. All the kids are starting the, the school year on e-learning for the most part. So if we can't even have kids go to school, how the heck are we going to have this number of players together in one place traveling around with seemingly no restrictions in place? And of course, I am not in the inner circle of the people making these decisions, but it seemed to me from an outsider's pers perspective, the NFL has had the longest time to figure this out and they've done the least of any league. I think they were just hoping that it would go away. They really don't want to lose any money. So they're kind of just, you know, resting back and saying like, we'll do these few things, but basically we're the NFL and we, you know, want to continue making money and we're untouchable. And I think that mindset gets you in trouble. What do you guys think just out of curiosity over under six and a half games? Jazz. I would say over, I think over because of the, because of the money issue. I think that because they need to get these games played because the broadcasters are paid X millions of dollars and they've got the sponsors and they've got the players and these 32 owners, I'm sure they could probably live without a year of income from the NFL, but I'm sure they probably don't want to live without the income of the NFL if it was reduced. So I reckon they'll find a way. I mean, like we had with soccer here, the only reason the Premier League got restarted here, granted they, they kind of did bubble, they didn't really do bubbles for players actually at all. Um, that I'm aware of, but they did that purely to avoid having to pay the broadcasters back millions of pounds. So I think money, unfortunately, will be the one that decides the the amount. Yeah, and for me, and Ali, I want to hear your thoughts too, but it's the ticket takers and the concession workers. Yeah. I mean, those are the people I really feel for. The people throughout this whole pandemic who sort of need the money the most seem to be the ones um, that have gotten hit the hardest and that yeah. will hurt the most from the ramifications of this situation and i you know i i really feel for them because at, at the very least i don't know that we'll have fans and i think those are the people that are impacted from those decisions yeah yeah totally I, it's 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 kind of interesting it's come up in the uk media this week about um obviously uh arsenal football club let 55 members of staff go because of financial troubles during covid uh, yet they've just offered their player a new extension with £120,000 uh, a week being paid to him. And it's and there's a lot of people asking the question, you can afford that, but you can't afford to pay 55 you know, minimum wage salaries almost for for some of those people. The yeah. difference is, though, is that the players are the ones that make, make, make money. money. They, they play the sport that we're all watching. And so their contribution is 
more valuable. Unfortunately, it just if if you're going down on pure business semantics, it, it comes down to that the players are the most valuable asset in the club, and if you don't have them, and you're not playing good football, you're not getting on TV, then and then you won't right. be winning, winning trophies. Yeah, exactly. Well, I said that during coronavirus, everyone's character has been revealed, whether it's relationships, friendships, companies, and there's a lot of companies out there. I mean, the Tampa Bay Lightning owners constantly uh, throughout this whole thing paid all the employees. If you have enough money to do it, it's the right thing. It's this pandemic is no one's fault and good hardworking people really need the money shouldn't have to suffer so if you can do it i think it says a lot about the the character and yeah business decision you can pay the players and not the you know 55 people who got let go but is that really the right thing to do and are you proud of that at the end of the day and i think what's what's funny is i was talking to one of my clients right before we hopped on and he was in the NFL, retired for a year, and he's making a comeback now. He decided he wants to play again. And I told him that I think this year is probably his best chance ever. I think it's going to be the year of the replacements because we already had 69 players opt out before the season started. And then I think there's going to be lots of circumstances with no bubble protocol in place. Yeah. So players getting sick, their families getting COVID. And so I think there's going to be a lot more guys dropping out and it's going to be opportunities for people you wouldn't expect who are going to get to, to have some playing time. Oh, we were excited last week for Brandon's chances, seeing as they all seem to be dropping out in yep. New England. And it's like, all right, let's get him on the field. Let's get him in the starting lineup. Let's do this. At some point I was like, is he going to have teammates? Is he <laughs> <laughs> I saw that meme of, uh, what was it? Of Cam Newton face put on will smith in the last episode of the fresh prince when he stood there and it's all empty and there's just a rug on the floor it says cam newton getting to new england because there's just nothing there yeah no i mean i it was it was so weird too because you just i don't think anyone expected to have the patriots be the team where the most number of players were dropping out then you have a client that just signed there and you're like uh wait is there is there a team what's happening is this ever going to stop and it was funny because um, the uh, in-game, one of the in-game and radio broadcast reporters for the Tampa Bay Lightning is married to a Patriots player and they just had a baby. And I texted her, I'm like, we'll go to games together. It'll be great. I'm so excited to introduce you to Brandon. And then her husband was one of the players that opted out. <laughs> oh, of course, that that might just give away who that player was. Yeah, Danny, Danny Vitale. Yeah. Uh-huh. uh-huh. So, and, and I get it. They have a new baby. What, what are you going to do? And, and yeah. luckily they don't need the income and it, it all makes sense. But I'm like, Brandon is going to be sitting by himself at lunch. Like, he's not going to have any friends. <laughs> Look, anybody's going to... you, isn't it? That, that's why that's coming out there. Scared that your client's going to be on his own at lunchtime. Yeah, well, and it's interesting because someone said to me, are any of your clients the ones opting out? And I had to think about it for a minute because the answer is no. And it's because they've been the underdogs their whole careers. And this opportunity is a dream that was sort of um, a miracle for them to accomplish and to be at this point, especially Brandon year eight undrafted out of Penn. And he is making more sacrifices than ever. And in terms of buckling down and saying, I'm not going out, I'm not doing any appearances, I'm not leaving the hotel, I'm sacrificing time that I get to be with my family to be able to continue this dream that he he wasn't even sure was possible but he knows it isn't going to last forever and you almost have to be more disciplined to be able to stick this out than some of the guys who are just opting out and I totally respect everyone's decisions but it's not that the guys staying in like my clients 
are not conscious of their family's health or their own health. They just know this is a shooting star of an opportunity and they've had to make so many personal sacrifices and almost bear down even harder than they ever were before and, and, and really um, showcase their grit to, to be able to stick it out. Yeah, and I think that's where the uh, the wink of the show me the money comes in from Dave. Of you know, I mean, it's, it could be it could be great for your business as well, though. Like not not to sound like an evil landowner, but this is a good opportunity, I guess, for you as well. Because if your clients are now getting better opportunities in the NFL, then you know they're going to be talking even more about this kind of incredible hands on management that they have from someone like yourself, which seems more unique than a lot of other players. The kind of representation that they get. I mean, again. You see it on Radio Row. You come down and you engage with the people that your clients are talking to, whereas there are a lot of people that are just showing athletes around and kind of just throwing them to the wolves. They'll stand like 10 yards away and say nothing and then gra- drag them out of the interview. At like, time's up, let's move on and on to the next okay. one. And it's like, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's because it's a business for them. You know, for, for a lot of people, it's yeah. just right. This is my job. You sit down, you do your talking bit. And then when it's time for you to move on, I'll move you on. And it's like the complete opposite of it. And it's uh, it's kind of a weird realization when you see how brutal it it is in that lack of, I guess lack of chemistry, lack of connection, I think, between the people and their representation at times. And it's, I think it's a really great initiative that you've kind of taken up in your management style, to be honest. I think it's yeah, really affordable. I, I didn't even realize that was going on because I sort of only know how to be me and I couldn't imagine doing it other any other way. And it just doesn't feel right doing it the way you describe. I mean, you have to live with yourself at the end of the day. And considering this is what I do for players and especially on the biggest stage, how could I not be there to support them and create opportunities and guide them along? I mean, I can't, I can't imagine not doing it. And I don't know how people sort of are okay with just sort of throwing them to the wind and then, and not really caring or having that personal connection. I mean, that's, that's obviously their own choice. It's just, I had to decide pretty early on what, what I wanted for my own life and how I wanted to live and nothing less than how I go about things feels right to me. Tidy. Very tidy indeed. Very good. Um, Just uh, quickly as well, any, um, any trips to the UK? Oh, sorry, obviously not in the near future, but and uh, have you been over before? So I we, uh, went on a family vacation. I think I was in eighth grade and came to visit London and did sort of all the touristy stuff. But I ha- I've been meaning for the longest time. I have to come over and visit you and, and see your ropes and you have to show me the sports world um, <laughs> over there and, and get, you know, a, a, a real natives uh, tour of the country. Uh, yeah, I mean, not right now because it's really hot and we don't do AC and we've made it sound right. like we're in some kind of destitute third world country with our depiction yeah. of it at the moment. So. Exactly. I mean, the way you've described things currently, it's not exactly the tourist bureau of please come visit no. us. You know, I mean, may want to work on the PR of that. I mean, I think if anything, <laughs> maybe you want to come to Florida for the next few times. I did say Tom Brady Super Bowl. I'm here. We have good weather. The hurricane didn't hit. So, I mean, we have swimming <laughs> pools that don't have leaves. So, no I mean, it helps. I don't know what more you could want, but I, I would like to make a visit over there. I think currently you do not allow my people to come and visit with the restrictions that are in place. <laughs> I think I you're allowed was, in. I it was the other way around. I yeah, you're allowed to come, to... but we can't go to you. This is a very okay. one-sided relationship that we've got here at the moment. I thought we were the ones in timeout. Like, I thought that you wouldn't <laughs> let us in because of the number of cases we have here, which... 
obviously I'm so I have to apologize on behalf of the country and I'm so sorry for our <laughs> management. I promise it wasn't me. And I, I wish they would make an exception because I now now everyone has the time to come and travel. You just can't go anywhere. Yeah. If only yeah. that Lysol thing had worked, eh? Oh, just yeah. How are the cases <laughs> over there? Are things like can you go outside? Do you have to wear a mask? What is life like for you guys? Masks, definitely masks. They 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 said that if you have health reasons, you don't have to wear them. But then there's no way of enforcing if someone has a health reason or not. So in that sense, you can just walk around without them. The trouble is, there's always going to be some Karen somewhere that's like, you should be wearing a mask. But you can happily tell them you have health reasons not to, and you can have a massive argument. It's not really worth it. Mm. They talk about schools, the- John. Yeah. I love that you have Karens over there also. Oh, yeah. Oh, There's yeah. There's a worldwide phenomenon, the, the, uh, the old Karen. I think they have El Karens in uh, Argentina, actually. So. <laughs> I didn't realize until this moment that Karen was a worldwide thing, but I am so happy. Oh, right, yeah. Yeah, no, definitely, mm. definitely. I mean, you. so you yeah. have to wear a mask when you go shopping. Like, you're not allowed in the supermarket without one unless, I guess, you have a piece of paper that says... You no, know, you don't have to have the piece of paper. Oh, okay. That you can you just, just show up argue and just it. go in. No one's going to ask you about it. But you if you're at the shoppers, they'll quiz you. If you're in an outdoor area or um, once you're seated in a restaurant with people, then you, and it's properly socially distanced, obviously, you can take the mask off while you eat. But if you get up to go to the bathroom, I think you have to put the mask on and stuff like that. It just seems like a lot of hassle of taking the mask on and off. Cases, yeah. are they going down? Stable. They're a little bit going the wrong way. Oh, okay. Yeah. slowly so i was saying that to this with uh with shane Vreen a couple of weeks ago that america unlocked about well, florida didn't really un- fully lock down at all did it in some of the counties if i'm not mistaken yeah it was minor yeah so <laughs> if you look at when everything unlocked more in florida and california not maybe not california but maybe texas we were about six or seven maybe even eight weeks behind we're that kind of far behind them so now we're starting to see the cases just start to go up a little bit so we might be on the cusp of it doing what's happening in the states uh, but we're gonna have to wait and see. But they're talking about the schools in terms of getting kids back. They might close all the pubs and restaurants to put the kids back instead, which is a much better idea. But of course, they want the money for the economy, so it's just a yeah. Balance we did the same thing here in Florida. We had phase one where they opened up kind of the most basic places, and and we yeah. were doing okay. But then they opened up the gyms and the nail salons and the restaurants, and that's when cases started spreading like wildfire. And it really is here every man and woman for themselves because now everything is open you can fly you can go to restaurants sit at a table it's just you deciding how you want to be smart for yourself and they do a lot of places require want masks but also they want patrons and they they want to be able to pay their bills and so who knows how toughly people are enforcing it and for me it was interesting because right at the end of last season um, it was really nice, kind of what we were talking about before, but uh, Brandon Copeland and my other client, Steve McClendon, did a presentation to the whole Jets team on all of the work that I had done for them. And so it felt like oh, wow. an apropos way to kind of end the year. And it was, I mean, the best sort of marketing I could ever ask for. And we had really built this momentum. I didn't think I'd be at a point when this season started where I wasn't even going to be able to go see my clients play in person. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, it was the most impossible thing to try and predict nobody saw it coming um or well, continues to be able to predict it at all yeah right so are you guys fully working from home uh i'm not working <laughs> is my thing <laughs> i'm i have been so desperate to get back to kind of doing commentary and play-by-play and uh i think my last game i did was march the 11th and wow. i and everything i have a shift booked in somewhere on september the 12th um but you know the thing i was talking to you about about potentially south america or maybe the us or whatever that's i'm not doing either 
that's oh, yeah because they're because i can't get into miami uh, and they're moving a lot of the operation to miami so that's now gone so i don't know what happens with that so now it's starting the fight to find work in the uk again so it's it's like hitting the reset button almost on the career and it's like okay wow. yeah do they provide i mean do you guys in the uk have good unemployment what are they doing for people in your situation so they did um for the self-employed uh, which thankfully I'm still just about eligible for. Uh, they did, you got 80% of what would have been your month. Income up, up to £2,500. Yeah, right? what would have been your wow. monthly income, but it was capped out at 2500 But someone like me that kind of, I write, have a lot of expenses that goes on my tax bill with things like traveling to the US for the Super Bowl and stuff like that. Like flights aren't cheap, unfortunately. Um, so yeah, there, there was a, portion of money to kind of get you by and then you can reapply i think next week for another bit yeah. but then it's after Thursday. that that's cut off um so it's just yeah once you've got that it's crazy it's well i don't know if you've been following what's happening with the stimulus here in the u.s but like for someone in florida i think without any federal aid it's 133 dollars a week so Ooh. yeah so and, and for a while, they had the $600 of federal payment on top of it, um, it for the self-employed people who ran their own businesses, but that expired July 31st, and they've been trying to negotiate this whole week on a deal, and they're still miles apart. And so it was already hanging on by a thread with the federal aid, but now that that's gone and we don't know when it's coming back, I mean, people are literally, we're going to have this whole new wave of eviction, starvation. I mean, it's just yeah. horrible, you know, what's about to happen. Just when you feel like you've hit the worst of it, something else comes along and there's a whole new sweeping wave of, of devastation. And it's like, oh, when are we going to start to see the upswing again? Well, it's like, it's going to happen here as well. If you're unlocking to be able to get the economy going, um, there then needs to be more support for people who aren't going to be able to benefit from the economy unlocking and, and who are going to be struggling. Like it just You have to provide that. Otherwise, you are just going to have the haves getting more money and the have-nots getting poorer and poorer and then even bigger problems with things like unemployment and stuff and, and homelessness. And so homelessness, yeah. Yeah, so yeah it's, it's crazy. And I think that... Um, uh, we probably all never thought sports would ever disappear. And I think when everything happened in March, we were thought maybe it'd be a couple weeks. No one saw us at this point. And I think there's a lot of people in our industry who work nights and weekends and, you know, all you're traveling all over. Everyone makes a lot of sacrifices, but you do it because of the safety net of the sports world and the excitement of it. And there's so many colleagues uh, across the world who have been affected. And I think, uh, you just think of them and, and hope everyone is landing on their feet. I've never seen within our industry so many people lose jobs all at the same time. It's a big culling of uh, contract staff at the moment as well. And so even if you're not a freelancer, if you're contracted, there was a, quite a few production companies kind of did a big kill off of contracts uh, July time. So that's more people who are going then to the freelance market to fight for the few jobs that Same are going to be about. So it just, it's yeah. all going to keep compiling on itself. And it's a really interesting time though for the media, because again, going back to things like social media and the the interactions over that and, and things like Zoom, uh, Zoom fans in the stands and, and how you can work all of that. I mean, there's, there's a lot of ways that it's going to change the way that we consume sport even more. I think it's going to push forward the downfall of traditional television networks i think a lot quicker 
particularly in the US and and the way we consume things like highlights and I don't know yeah I think it's going to have a even bigger impact on what was already a rapidly changing changing position of of sports broadcasting and, and how we consume it yeah without a doubt and I guess you know from your own situation and someone who has to find contracts and there has to be sports for you to be able to work what have you learned or what advice do you have or how have you pivoted because I think probably people in your situation could really benefit from hearing your story oh this is something I've been trying to work out I was meant to chat with Cam yesterday but I had this meeting so we've delayed it for next week to talk about a little bit about this of how because he's obviously having to kind of pivot as well from his broadcasting roles that he was uh, doing with the XFL in Tampa and such. Um, In terms of pivoting right now, I think your own content creation is going to be even bigger. Um, I'm actually, I I don't say this sounds really weird, but I take a lot of inspiration from a lot of the stand-up comedy stuff that I've seen in the last few years and how big comedians in the US have kind of taken control of the way that they produce and create their own content. And I think there is a way for sports media to go down that line to an extent because people people seem to want quick, easy social media hits, a little bit less of the uh, suited and booted, you know, Al Michaels straight down the middle, this is broadcasting, hello and welcome. I think a lot of people like, I'm not a big fan of it personally, but a lot of people do like the kind of informal, long form chat where there aren't as many constraints on what you can and can't say and, you know, curse words. Obviously, you can't have on a national network, but you can on a podcast. You can say whatever you want. Where I know you've been holding it back, but, you know, you can oh, <laughs> you can curse all you want. Um, Tell me in my filter. So I think there is there is a way to use that to your own benefit as a broadcaster and a sports fan and somebody that works in the industry. It's just finding the way to then create that connection with the audience because it's a very difficult... And quite a compressed market, even that to get into, because a lot of people have tried and it can come off either Saturated. as gimmicky and, and it can come off as quite cheap as well. You know, you like lowbrow humor, if you will. And you want to have the smarts to it and the, the professionalism of the debate, but with the casualness of chatting kind of down the pub. Yeah, I think that's a good point is that it's the best time to own your own brand. I mean, people are sitting at home with extra time. They're on social media more than ever. And I was talking to one of my clients earlier who said that he in like a day gained 50,000 followers on TikTok because he posted 11 of his NFL catches and there hadn't been anything like that before. And now with the advent of Instagram reels, you know, there's probably an opportunity to post sports reels and, and different ways for broadcasters to take advantage of social media the same way an athlete would, which is kind of how we started this conversation in the first place. Like now is the time to go all in on your digital presence and your social presence because it's what we have control of. All eyes are on it. And yep. that's all we have for, for our world now. And so all of the focus is, is on everything digital. We had a we had a really weird Saturday morning soccer show called Soccer AM back in the day that used oh, yeah. to be very popular. And they did really odd things. Like they had a guy with a northern accent who uh, they called Sheephead because he had kind of curly hair like sheep's wool. And, okay. and he, used, he used to do a very brief segment on it called Topless Weather, where he was just a regular man, you know, bit of a beer belly, but would never say like he was a big guy or anything like that, but certainly not like a chiseled athlete. And he'd just take his T-shirt off, stand in a pair of jeans in the car park of the studios with a little weather board next to him. And he'd go through... Uh, what various weather was looking like and it was always the same pattern and for some reason it was just hilarious like it just ticked the right bit of the funny bone and um the light drizzle 
Yeah, light drizzle. It was always yeah, light drizzle right. and yeah. topless weather. Sheephead's topless weather was always sponsored by gravy because ooh, northern, <laughs> northern boys <laughs> love gravy. And like it was just weird. But I think something like that, especially through things like TikTok, which again I can't stand, but I can see why it's connecting to the younger audience and stuff. There's something there if you can just so find it. All that you're gonna do a show naked? Is that what you were teeing up? I was asking. <laughs> I, I was I was hinting at jazz, <laughs> jazz to start doing topless podcasts. Basically, that's and we might we might need to get to Dave that. to do it if he's going to come back on this thing. I think. But uh, <laughs> yeah. oh, how did Dave go on vacation in the middle of coronavirus? Just he lives in Wales. And he went to kind of his family's got a house. They've got a, the a flat up on a really nice seaside town. So yeah. he's he's gone up there. Yeah. So it's like oh, if you had a weekend away at Indian Rocks Beach, that sort of thing. Got it. Thank you for translating. So he has his own <laughs> cliff over there. Yeah. Yeah, oh, okay. basically, yeah. That makes total sense. Well, he heard I was coming on and he said, we're, we're going to the vacation house. <laughs> <laughs> no, he, was, he was actually devastated to miss chatting with you because he's... He's very much interested in the kind of uh, world outside of football as well. He's got really into the whole like roster building style of stuff and, and seeing how teams interact with each other and how they kind of maintain being under the salary cap. And so I think he really wanted to kind of start picking your brains as somebody who's ingrained in that world, business world outside of the of the field to kind of talk about it. Yeah, so. I mean, we can always do it again. Is he the one who asked Brandon to pay for his vacation? Yeah, yep. he is also the one that asked Brandon to pay for his vacation. Yeah. Yeah. Is Brandon funding this holiday that he's currently at? He might be. He might have <laughs> that on the sly <laughs> i mean Possible. i think we need to come full circle and figure out if brandon wrote the check and that's the reason that dave is now on holiday well if you remember brandon said that he wouldn't say was it it, that it was him, him who was going to give the money to people though to support those sorts of ventures that's true. so if dave has got a secret mm. windfall from brandon dave wouldn't even him. know about it so we need to uh we need to question brandon once again really I'm just saying it's very coincidental because he asked on the episode and now he's on vacation and he's not here. If I mean, if you, if you carry the one and add this all up, it just seems a little suspicious. That a little this bit. All yeah. Up. Yeah. Dave's 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 done that. And he asked Shane Vereen about being a Falcons fan, which Shane immediately pointed to the Super Bowl trophy and went, oh, that was funny. And, and put him down. Um, so you can't really trust him. And I'm almost quite glad that he's not on this call, Dave, at the moment. Yeah. yeah. Maybe Dave is in timeout right now. <laughs> maybe he's that. <laughs> Um, I know you're a very busy woman and when we spoke you said you can only do an hour and we've done way more than an hour so I do apologise for keeping you on here if you've got oh, stuff to do um, Jazz, have you got anything else to fire at Wit to bombard really, her with I mean, more I questions? we've covered kind of everything <laughs> that I wanted to talk about um, we'd love to have you on again because there's just so much more to talk about and obviously when you've done the audiobook for me I'll listen to that and I'll have a ton of questions about that of course Yeah, how would you like me to dedicate it? Like, just kick it off like, and talk about the title and say and this is for Jazz and the reason I wrote this book or how would you like your inscription to go? I'd like it a little bit like uh, what Pat Boland did for John Elway so this is for John, but this is for jazz and, and just try and get a lot of emotion behind the jazz. Uh, so I really feel tears, it. Right? If you, you get tears in there, I'd be all for it. Okay. And I think probably next time we do this, maybe I should report live from um, Tom Brady's yard. Backyard. Yeah. <laughs> you should, definitely should do that. Yeah. Yeah. I actually did send him a book. I mailed him one. Um, I haven't heard back, but maybe it's just taking him a long time to read it. Well, don't maybe. trust him to get the audio book because he's still operating on that iPhone 6, which is just so old and hacky. So uh... Really? something so charming about him like he is the richest player ever basically you can buy any phone and he like doesn't care about material things like 
Don't get, you're better than this wit. Don't get sucked into that. You know, (laughs) as somebody that works in marketing and strategy, that was all a ploy. He knew he was pulling his old iPhone 6 out of a drawer to plug into his car that day. So it came up as Tom Brady iPhone 6 so that people would continue to talk about Tom Brady. And really what he's got is the Elon Musk's Neuralink in his brain already. That's what he's got. He's my QB now, so just watch how you talk about him. And you have to remember what I went through the past four years. So now I'm in therapy with Tom Brady and sort of healing. And I I mean, between hating on him and my Tim Tebow socks, I mean, I really thought we were on the same page. Like, <laughs> oh, it's, all my people. it's all gone downhill, hasn't it? It's all gone downhill. <laughs> I don't know how we didn't do an entire episode on Tim Tebow. Uh, we can next time. Yeah, it's you a... Know- very short episode about him being no, the most some very annoying interesting bang stories average. from that Florida team, though, isn't there? <laughs> lots, lots of interesting stories and a few now Netflix documentaries yeah. here and there. Um, but when I worked for ESPN, we did like a round table on our take on Tim Tebow, and mine was like, I went to war for him. Like my whole <laughs> column was like, yeah, like I, I went all like no one has defended that guy more emotionally than I did in that column. It just was. I mean, I my love for him was very clear. Have you ever met Tim? A few times. We oh. have some pictures together. Is it one time? I, what do you keep your cool? Are you like Winnie Holes? No. Nice all right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> he, he and Oprah for me are like the two where I like can't keep it together. And it was funny because I've been to some of the Florida games where he's broadcasting and take a picture at the end. And you know, I was trying to say something nice. I read his book, and he I think he recognizes me. Because I've been well, I'm everywhere he is at this point. So he's probably, so stalking him basically. Yeah, I mean, when he was playing baseball, it was in Florida, you know, for the minor league. So I was in the front row of the Yankees game. I think he's like, <laughs> why do I keep seeing this girl everywhere, and like, why is she stalking me? But then the funniest was when I worked at a marketing agency here, Vayner Media in New York. Small marketing uh, started by Gary Vaynerchuk or Gary V, if you know who that is. But um, he. It was, at the, you know, I, I was kind of, it was my first venture out of the sports world and Tim Tebow walked in for a meeting with Gary and the conference room was all glass. So all my coworkers still joke about how I like <laughs> sat right by that conference room and they were like, you couldn't get words out. You could not breathe. And then I went down the elevator and got a picture with him before he left. So now he's, he's seen me in the most random places. <laughs> yeah. So confused. It's going to be what was um, it like working for Gary V. What? What was it like working for Gary V? So I only have the best things to say about my time there. I first of all, the the backstory, I was sitting at LaGuardia and I ordered a pizza to the gate at LaGuardia because I thought it was so cool that they would deliver a, a pizza to you at an airport gate. And yeah. I just had time to kill while I was eating it and started reading the iPads they have. And VaynerMedia was the first story. And I just instantly knew where it was where I belonged. So I got on the plane, bought Wi-Fi, figured out Gary's email address and said something like, I just read about you at gate D4 and I need to come work for you. So had it not oh, wow. been for pizza, I would have never ended up at VaynerMedia. <laughs> well, there you go. Pizza making the world go round. Exactly. Pizza is the reason for everything. Um, (laughs) But I was at MLB at the time and I just, I knew I was looking for a great culture. And, but everyone said to me, you're leaving MLB to go work for this guy. We can't even spell his last name. I mean, no one had heard of him at the time, Uh, but I was, I just knew it was the right place for me. I was employee 167 there. And my third day talk about fate, Steve Ross, who owns the dolphins invested in Boehner. And luckily uh, Gary, even at, at that point, uh, felt like he knew me well enough. He said, you remind me a lot of me. So I was staffed on some of the bigger 
uh, Fortune 100 accounts, and he pulled me off and created a position for me where once Steve and Gary invested in or incubated a startup, they would hand it over to me to do the marketing. So he created a whole new position. And right. so he was my direct boss for two years. So wow. once again, I got this kind of uniform experience where he was so loving and wonderful. And out of all the employees, he created my dream role for me. Wow, that is amazing. Because of course, Gary Vaynerchuk is a a worldwide sensation these days. So that's so funny to hear you say that because no one heard of him when I worked. Yeah, there. I can imagine he's everywhere <laughs> now. He's every I, every time I turn Facebook on or Instagram or Twitter on, I see something about Gary V or someone mentioning Gary V. Yeah, no, we were just like in a small office in New York, and he was my boss, and it was like going to work every day at a regular job. So it's amazing to me what's happened to him now because not a soul had heard of him when I went to work there. Wow. How long ago was that? Just out of curiosity. Yeah, no. So I started there in February of 2014 and worked till the end of 2015. Wow. So it was kind of dur during his rise, but it was it was before. I mean, my family hadn't heard of it. And it was funny to watch people. They're like, isn't that the guy you worked for? And people yeah, yeah, started yeah. freaking out. So it was really fun to kind of be in the early stages of, of that whole experience and then watch him blow up and have the whole rest of your world find out about him. But I, I feel grateful because if I went back today, now he's a huge celebrity. I wouldn't have the same opportunity or interaction, but I got to have a, a different relationship with him. He always says to me, like, you have totally different context than anyone else would because, you know, I got to know him on a, a personal basis as my direct yeah. boss. And when I was there, I was introducing him to people, meet this person from baseball. And so we, you know, I, I feel grateful that hopefully I was able to provide him a little value. Whereas again, like an athlete, everyone's hitting him up for things. But yeah, we, we text sometimes. He came down to Florida, he met my family. So to me, he's like a family member, like someone I worked with. Like this whole yeah, yeah, yeah. persona is just so bizarre to me because it's like just a guy I knew. That's crazy. Wow. 2014, no one knew who he was. And now look at him. Exactly. And he was, oh, he's so much more loving than anyone could imagine from his outside persona i mean he someone's grandmother would had passed away and he bought train or plane tickets for them to go to the funeral he knew all of our families he knew you know if you were sick last week how are you feeling i mean every friday i wrote in like a report of what i did that week at work how i was feeling how i felt about i mean and he read every single one of them every week i mean it yeah. was just an amazing uh, chapter in personal attention that I feel so lucky to have and he totally changed my life and then he recommended me for my two jobs after Vayner so I left the company and then he recommended me for the rise job and then uh, Brandon Marshall needed a chief marketing officer so he recommended me for that job also so this whole representing athletes thing started because of him wow Brandon Marshall the receiver or the linebacker the receiver okay wow yeah, yeah. So Not that Brandon Marshall linebacker is a bad thing, by the way. I feel like we, our reaction there was tempered, but no, no. But like Brandon Marshall was one of my favorite players to watch. Like yeah, was such an awesome receiver, exciting yeah. as hell. Well, I'm glad I I said the right Brandon Marshall based on your reaction. <laughs> In fairness, you said the other one, I'd be like, oh, that's good too. Yeah, yeah. No, but it was cool because um, the Brandon Marshall I worked for had been diagnosed with borderline personality disorder, and everyone said to him don't tell anyone about this. You'll never get another contract. And instead he held a press conference and he started his nonprofit project 375 because um, lime green is the color for mental health awareness. And on the Pantone color chart, lime green is number 375. 
So oh. when I worked for him, we ran around the country and did suicide prevention trainings and talked all about mental health and, and trained adults who worked with kids on how to identify mental health issues and, and get kids help. So, I mean, talk about using your platform wisely. And from what my friends who worked at the NFL told me at the time, I was really the first chief marketing officer for one individual player that they had ever heard of. Wow. Jeez. Wow. Uh, uh, yeah, that is a be big... the first be the first you. That is exactly that's exactly it, isn't it? That couldn't have been a exactly. better title for your book. Right. Well, that's that's exactly the point. And that's why I struggle when someone will say, where do you see yourself in five years or 10 years? And I kind of just say, well, I couldn't have imagined any of the jobs I have now. And I think it's a, kind of more like a spouse, like you can't predict it. You just have to know yourself well enough to know it's the right fit when you see it. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's a, such a cool calling card to have, isn't it? Yeah. That, that must be one that is that on the business card, just sliding it across like, uh... yeah, <laughs> well, I mean, it's funny because I went to speak at a high school a few years ago and the kid said to me, have you always been entrepreneurial? I'm like, they only call it that when it works. Like when you're saying I'm going to do these things and everyone else is going left and you're going right, like they call you a fuck up. So yeah. it's, it's, it's not until that you succeed that they're like, well, that is the coolest thing ever. So in all these jobs, I was the one taking a leap of faith and kind of seeing the forest through the trees before anyone else was. So it, it worked out. But at the time, you're like, what am I doing? Yeah. Well, it's the, uh, it's the right time to be doing stuff like that again, isn't it, with everything that's going on? And as you say, pivoting and seeing what works and what doesn't. Uh, and you seem yeah. like you've got the, uh, the winning streak in you wit. So um I'm yeah, trying. it's definitely definitely on a roll here for sure. Well, this is what I like to say. When I went to Florida between the time I got accepted and the time I graduated, the Gators won two football and two basketball championships. So I got there, they had this epic historical run. I left and things went downhill. Like I'm not saying I had anything to do with it, but you cannot ignore the facts. <laughs> going to try and get back into it but we never got a chance to was how many games do you think we're going to have over under um, sure what would you think over under of six and a half wasn't it yeah i said to, i said to dave earlier in the week i said we'll have less than six and a half you think that what did dave think he went for under as well wow so I'm you're the only, the only positive over. panda at the moment yeah. i would take that bet every day of the week yeah um i i think we don't have major sports in the u.s at Christmas. I don't think we have any major sports taking place. I don't think we have the NBA after they finish off this season. I don't think the NFL is going at Christmas. I don't think ice hockey will be going because okay. it's the traveling aspect that's killing that MLB. That's trouble, yeah. But I think that they, they haven't... Sorry, I'm just completely interrupting you again there, really. I think it's one of the ones... <laughs> yeah, you go. That's the, that's the reaction <laughs> you've been having. I think it's... It goes back to my idea that I had where if you just take it so every team in one state bubbles together, then you have them being taken to a different state to play their games in one stadium. So say, for example, you have, let's go with the AFC North and they're going to play the AFC East. You take the ones from Ohio, take the ones from Pennsylvania, and you may try and bring the... don't think you should put the Steelers and the Ravens in the same place. That's probably a bad idea. Yeah. But you should probably do something like that to try and bubble them. And then they have to then just change the schedule completely so that those teams go and play the two teams they're going to play in that state or knows that team's bubble. 
play the two games there or four games, whatever it's going to be, and then carry on from there. There's no way they're going to be able to carry on the seasons they have done, like they had to major league baseball in terms of trying to let it just be, oh yeah, we'll just go and play. We'll travel around because there's too many variables, especially as we've said before, with the number of people in NFL staff and team and players Mm. that letting them just walk around and do whatever they want is going to be tricky. I mean, even just get the NBA players to stay in the hotel for 40 days has been tricky with that guy who got the takeaway and had to be quarantined for 14 days. He just went and picked up a bag genius <laughs> yeah, yeah not as bad as the rudy gobert thing but still not ideal so i i can get why you'd have that negative or maybe realistic view of it but i really hope we do because one i want to have something to talk about two i'd like some games to bet on to try and win some money the only reason that it takes place is forcing it through and i genuinely think the nfl will do everything that they can to force it through just like the premier league did yeah but i i think for the the scale and we said it last week, I think it was, when um, uh, when we were asked about kind of how the Premier League coped with it. I think it was last week. And uh, with Camp. And we kind of said, yeah, they, they did a really good job, but we're not dealing on the same scale as the USA. I mean, that's that's the thing that the USA always has that is problematic, is that it's 50 countries pretending to be a country. <laughs> like, it just doesn't... Yeah. It, it causes problems in litigation, in... Uh, dealing with something things, like really. a, like COVID, I mean, it's it must be an absolute nightmare. I mean, yeah. So, I I just don't see I don't see it happening, and I think the TV networks and the NFL come to some sort of agreement because the TV networks are going to have to realize that they like they obviously need football for viewing figures, but at the same time, if if the football is so bad, that's the other thing. You look at something like the XFL and the football quality. A lot of people were slamming and. Yeah, there were there were other problems with the XFL, but yeah. a lot of people said, "Look, this just isn't a good game of football to watch." So that's because they they're used to watching the NFL, and also they're used to watching college football. If you watch, say, LSU Alabama, those players then become the stars of the NFL. So used to a certain quality of product. But are we? But we're not going to get that quality of product if we have players dropping out. Lots of things like uh, obviously players getting COVID and, and you know various replacements and people that have maybe been out of the league a year or so coming back in to to kind of fill vacant gaps and and the inability to have proper training sessions and proper kind of um, you know sit down meetings and uh, yeah. positional meetings and things like that so if the quality drops off in terms of the the level of the product going out it's no use to ready to the tv companies anyway and people will do what we were doing and just go back and watch old nfl games and enjoy that which unfortunately you can't bet on it's really yeah. difficult to do that <laughs> well you can but it's called losing your money because there's no because <laughs> if you someone knows the outcome they're just fleecing you mm. um yeah no i totally agree with that i think one thing we didn't mention the preseason actually is Actually, that we did actually mention that about in terms of being prepared for things and yeah. being able to see where the teams really are. Because if you haven't got even in one preseason game, you haven't got an idea if all this disruption to training camps and mini camps, etc., are going to lead it to being, like you said, a very bad product on the field. And if you have that, then yeah, then the really realistically speaking, so realistically speaking, you're probably not going to want to watch a bad product. Although, having said that, even if it's on Sunday and it's red zone, I'll still probably put it on. I, I think that uh, that might come down to the way that the nfl kind of survives through this is that people will at the end of the day be so starved of quality football that they will just watch anything and by then the major league baseball season will have finished the nba playoffs will have finished uh, i'm not sure when the next nba season is going to start for example nhl i'm not sure that i have no knowledge of nhl so i can't really talk about that they're just doing this like pre-tournament before the start of the stanley cup playoffs 
So right, it's basically okay. they've got a kind of a round robin tournament to get into the playoffs of the teams that had a chance okay. to get in, and then you start the playoffs in. I think so later yeah, this week. That might be finished within the next kind of month or two. So you're going to have, say, October, November, December, January, these months which are pure NFL Sunday months. Oh, it's a huge opportunity for any sport. I mean, this is what we were talking about with the Premier League when, and eventually what the Bundesliga did was they were the first to get going again. Get back, yeah, yeah. And every sports uh, kind of network in the UK that had Bundesliga content available to them, i.e. BT Sport and Talk Sport, like pushed it real hard. You know, there were yep. all these kind of social media campaigns of which Bundesliga team should you support because it was the only football available and loads of people yep. watched it because it was all that was there. So if the NFL can get it right, it's a really big opportunity for them and for their TV networks that cover it. Yeah. But at the same time, if they can't get it done safely or with a decent enough product that people are going to be interested in, plus if you've got a massive economic recession coming along, you're not too fussed about you know what sports are on when actually you're worried about where your next paycheck's coming from yeah or next bit of food for example yeah, yeah. I didn't how are you gonna we were, we were saying about how little support they get i didn't realize that's that bad. nuts i didn't yeah i didn't know that at all yeah i mean in some ways though it's similar to if say for example if someone was self-employed say for yourself for example um but you'd only been self-employed for three months and you'd been on the same sort of thing that the u.s stimulus thing's been on because it's just benefits isn't it really She's been lucky that happened again. Jazz white t-shirt, green oh, drink. Ollie. It's you not can't on the wear top. The white t-shirt with the green drink. <laughs> it was better. I was going to wear a vest. <laughs> You'll top. learn this thing, man. I was real close to wearing a Lakers vest top for this, and I was like, no, that will look really bad if I'm like basically half dressed while we're talking to Wit and looking yeah. like a slob. And I was like, okay, just crack on a t-shirt quickly about five minutes before we started. Um, uh, yeah. It didn't happen while she was here, so that's okay. She still thinks I'm an upstanding member of society, almost. Yeah. And uh, also, if you got the green stuff on the yellow, that would probably be worse to try and get out. I'd be more annoyed as well, because the Lakers jersey is really nice. This is an old, cheap t-shirt. So. Which Lakers jersey are you going to wear? Uh, the purple Shaq one. Oh, it's uh, so okay. nice. The most recent one you bought? Yeah, it's really comfy. I love that top. Does it feel... It's, it's Obviously, it's from... Yeah, it's from, not It's not a yeah, legit it's not one, really official. Yeah. Um, does it feel like it is legit, though? Yeah, the quality, actually, the nylon quality. The ones that I've ordered, they can certainly range in right. kind of how they feel, but this one actually does feel the most kind of realistic. Legit. Yeah, yeah, I like it. Yeah, I, can, I can really tell the difference between the Space Jam one that I've got and then the Derek Rose and Magic Johnson one that I've got because they were bought from, I think, the NFL store. Nice. Like the seventy quid version of instead rather than a stupid crazy money one, but the Space Jam one was I think thirty pounds. Thirty, but I think it's because it, I mean it was twenty or fifteen. I can hook you Doesn't up with matter. like a fifteen quid one here. Don't from where I'm getting mine. Don't it worry. It might have been fifteen because the coop. Yeah, it must have been. It must have been that because I think it was forty pounds altogether with shipping and the coop Cooper jersey. But, that I've given to John already. Nice. Um. Just quickly, it might not make the edit with the chat we had with Wit. I'm not sure um, when I kind of cut it all down this evening or tomorrow morning. But next week, we have Marlon Favourite. He's booked in. Um, sent the email with that around. We also have, either next week or the week after, if we want, uh, Neil Dutton, who's like a fantasy football expert that's done a few uh, bits for oh, wow. TalkSport 2. Um, okay. He's an English guy. He's an Eagles fan, and he's a Sheffield Wednesday fan. So he's it's basically Ollie. <laughs> yeah, he's like <laughs> me. It's yeah. like a spirit animal. I, I put all of my fancy football knowledge into this Twitter account called Neil Dutton, and then put it all out there. And then uh, I don't take any of it, 
and lose the league that we're in every single time. I was going to say, it's as if Ollie's got a secret twin but has all the fancy football ability. Yeah, I'm the evil one and he's the. Oh, the you good know, one. That that's going to be such a boring episode with him and Dave. Oh, yeah. Well, he's going to get so deep on that, isn't he? To be honest, there could be arguments Ugh. all over the place. I was thinking with yourself as well. You know, he might be like, oh, you know, Hooper's a good, really he likes great cousins. Mm. Yeah, I was going to say he might. Like, cousins is a great quarterback to have as a t- as a fancy football owner, and you'll be like, he's terrible. I hate him. And there we go around the houses. But Neil will join us either yeah. next week or the week after. I was kind of thinking next week might be a fun one to do it, um, and we can introduce him to the uh, the F. Eli Manning League as well. I think. I think. You know, we should. As in uh, Adam is a player. Well, as in uh, the ramifications of losing fantasy at Thanksgiving and things oh, like that. Okay, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, as well as that, I was saying to you the other day about doing another league um, with Woodcock being interested. Yeah, we could maybe we could always sort see that if out. he wanted to play the league too. See if he could show us all a thing or two. No, I, I, I say I want more of a chance to win, but I don't think that's going to happen whether Neil's in it or not. So no. I don't think it makes a difference. Yeah, yeah. So maybe we should see, we should see if he wants to play. Yeah. We'll see. But the trouble again, that's the other thing with no preseason. How are we going to know who to pick in fantasy? Because for all we know, we, know we might think, oh, well, Dalvin Cook's going to be really good this year. But actually, Matteson's the one getting all the snaps. Yeah. And also, uh, well, at least you know the 69 players that aren't going to be playing. So no point picking yeah. up Damian Williams, for instance, in Kansas City. No, Carlos be... uh, Edwards held. I can't remember his name now. Edwards uh, Edward Hellier, yeah. That, as soon as I saw that, I thought, I'm going to put him on my little list. But yeah, then, of course, now you've mentioned it. Now I know you're thinking about it too. Yeah, that, that draft stock has gone up even more, especially in a PPR league. He's like a... And with Shady McCoy going into our... Christian McCaffrey, basically. Yeah, so... Uh, yeah, he's going to get a lot of catches out of the backfield. And he's going to take the behind-the-back pass from Mahomes that he's been practicing. Did we mention on the podcast that, about the humiliation of being a DN that bites on a pump fake of a behind-the-back pass? No. Because that could happen this year. Because Mahomes has shown that behind-the-back pass all over social media about two, three weeks ago. And then he yeah. said, I'm definitely going to pull it off in a game. Which means anybody coming around the edge or getting through, if they see him do that, is going to naturally assume that it might be going out to the running back him. at that point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they can't hit him. And if you're the end coming off the edge, you might think you've got a chance to get a handout and bat it away. So if he pumps that and the end commits to the behind-the-back pass... And he doesn't, and then he moves away and ends up, you know, he's throwing a no look pass downfield for a touchdown to Tyree Kill, which isn't out of the question with Patrick Mahomes, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah that's um, that DN can never play for another snap in that game because the offensive lineman on the other side of the ball is just going to be, mate, you just pump, you just bit on a pump fake behind the back pass. What sort of an NFL player are you? That's unfair. It's unfair. But, that's unfair. But that's, I mean. Every- that's, that's like what saying happens when you play back Patrick Mahomes, play action. It's like saying, oh, that Statue of Liberty play with the Patriots, whatever they do, you should never get, you shouldn't bite on that. But of course you can because you can't see it. Yeah, but a behind-the-back pass is different. How? Because that's something that n- has never been even thought yeah, but he's shown that he about. can do it, so you know it's possible. So you know it's possible, I mean. he's biting put- on something that's going to happen is not that difficult. He's just putting that thing out. He's, I think it's a, a fantastic ruse to humiliate somebody. But I also think it, might get, it might get Mahomes killed. Because <laughs> yeah, that yeah. Because now, yeah. if that happens to one guy, nobody else is going to want to no be that guy him. again. So then you're just going for Mahomes. And rough in the past is only a 15 yard penalty. And it's worth it if you take Patrick Mahomes out of the game. So there's there's lots to be thinking about. Yeah, there's a lot to be thinking about. Uh, Jazz, where can people find you on Twitter and Instagram and stuff? 
at Jazz Gillum uh, for both Twitter and for Instagram. And of course, you should always follow the at UK pick uh, at UK underscore pick underscore six podcast on Instagram as well. Is it UK underscore pick underscore six underscore podcast or is it UK underscore pick underscore six? Well, Wait, no, that's no, a question. no underscore between the six and the podcast. I can never remember. I think that's the case. Yeah, it's, no, it is underscores the whole way. UK underscore pick <laughs> underscore six underscore podcast. Uh, I'm O underscore J underscore Wilson. I didn't actually create that Instagram name, by the way, even though I love the underscore. That was that was all on Dave. So oh, was it? Yeah. Why did you do one word? I had no idea. Maybe it was already taken. Uh, o underscore J underscore Wilson on Twitter and on Instagram. It's David Black one on Twitter and David Black on Instagram. And of course, on Twitter, we have at UK pick six pod all one word on Twitter. UK pick six pod. Uh, thanks for listening. Uh, big thanks to Whitney Holtzman as well, uh, who was just stellar as always. And uh, yeah, tune in next week with uh, Super Bowl winner and two Super Bowl winners. That's pretty nice. This is has any podcast got better in a percentage ways than our podcast during covid because we weren't doing a lot and then we've upped our yeah. game quite a lot rapidly like you, you, yeah. you've gone b-a-n-a-n-a-n bananas on the instagram stuff have you've to taken control of that account off dave which i've <laughs> i mean well you to be tell. honest with you, i think you can really tell when i took control because if yeah. you look from before there was about six posts um very interspersed with no real rhyme nor reason but and you, now from my point of view i think we're making some pretty good memes so hopefully that people should laugh at that that's what i'm trying to do provide some light humor and then uh, abuse people that answer back to you in the comment section <laughs> i mean i've not abused anyone that's unfair no, no, i'm not trying to engage i mean the first all the people we've actually had commenting have been really good and it's been fun to have actual intellectual conversations with people about these things so the, the matt breeder tyree kill one was quite interesting the more followers we get if we get any there will be less less and less intellectual conversation on it i don't know i like to keep it going i just it's just good to talk football i mean that's the most important thing i mean the last one i just put up before we started it's got a couple of comments in to have a chat to about so it'd be uh something to look forward to when i get off yeah we'll uh let you have a gander at that um yeah until next week with marlon favorite uh and no podcast has got better as much as we've got better by the way that was the correct answer during lockdown oh okay sorry i mean you could probably make the case actually that um the house of rugby podcast has got exponentially worse because they lost alex payne james haskell and mike tyndall because they created their own podcast instead yeah I don't listen to that anyway. So, Oh, you should. It's funny. Uh, I'm not a massive rugby fan. I've got this. That's fine. NFL sorts me out. You um, can just cut this bit out anyway. So whatever. No, no, we'll, we'll leave it in. Uh, until next <laughs> week. Thanks for listening. <laughs>